Hey folks, just a quick reminder before we get started with the show, it really does help the resurgent out tremendously. If you do pay attention to the sponsors, this week Quip and Blue Apron are the sponsors. Uh, Great products. I am familiar with both because I'm a customer of both, so I'm honored to have them be the sponsors of the show. But before we get started, I do just want to remind you, I know sponsors in the show, but they're necessary. They're also helpful. And it helps us if you use them. So thanks very much for taking the time to listen to the podcast and for checking out our great sponsors this week, Quip and Blue Apron. Welcome, it's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB. It is 11 after the hour, and the vice president is in town tying up traffic. And here to talk about the tax cuts, uh, I think people have moved on from the tax cuts, though. A lot of outrage today, and i got to set the stage for you. The president uh, first suggested this morning, uh, can we say that he <clears throat> cut up the process um he uh told everyone that he would i mean it was very cuckish if we use the word that the that the alt-right uses to describe people who don't support the president Uh, he tweeted that he might veto the legislation because it didn't contain amnesty for daca he actually he did that he he wanted the the daca recipients protected and said that the omnibus did not do that, and because it did not do that, he was thinking of vetoing it. Uh, But he signed it anyway. After all of his supporters were rallying this morning saying they knew he would not sign it, he signed it. And, of course, he was going to sign it. He was always going to sign it. He says it's the military spending stuff. Y'all... We got to put this in perspective. You know, the Republicans said that one of the reasons they were doing the tax cuts is because of the stimulative effect on the economy. And I agree with them. Democrats derisively call it trickle down economics. But the fact of the matter is that when you cut taxes for those entities, including individuals, corporations and small businesses that contribute the most to the economy and therefore to tax revenue. When you cut taxes, uh, it makes them more economically productive, and the result of their, their greater economic productivity is increased revenue to the government. Every time the government has cut taxes, we have seen an increase in the revenue generated into Washington, D.C. There is a point where clearly if you cut taxes— uh, you're not going, you, you cut taxes so low, you're not going to see that. Maybe we've gotten there. I don't know that we have, but the stimulative effect of the tax cuts that Mike Pence is in town to tout and really here to help Karen Handel and Rob Woodall as well, it's not going to generate $1.3 trillion in economic tax revenue benefit to the federal government. No economist thinks that. This is the largest spending legislation ever passed by a Congress of the United States since George Washington first laid his hand on the Bible and swore to uphold, protect, and defend the Constitution of the United States from all enemies, foreign and domestic. It seems to me that the Congress and the President have violated their oath because it's going to be China bailing us out It's going to be China to whom we are more indebted. 
and they are making our nation fiscally insolvent. This is not a good situation. And here's the kicker. It's a $1.3 trillion spending package that's up in October. The Democrats are delighted. Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer have declared victory. And they should. The era of big government is returned, and it's the Republicans who returned it. And this raises a big and important issue that we all need to deal with, and that is this. What does the Republican Party stand for anymore? What does it stand for? Does it stand for, I don't know, does it stand for life? They funded Planned Parenthood to the tune of $500 million. Does it stand for the Second Amendment? They restricted it with increased background checks and whatnot in this legislation. Does it stand for small businesses? They've just imposed tariffs and China is going to impose tariffs on us starting the trade war that President Trump's staff said would not happen. What does the Republican Party stand for anymore? I was an elected Republican at one time. I don't know what the Republican Party stands for anymore. And no one else seems to know, including the Republicans in Washington. And that's problematic. There is a crisis of leadership within the Republican Party. And it seems like the president abdicated his responsibility today by not or by signing this legislation after threatening to veto it, by the way. There is a crisis of leadership in the Senate that rushed this through at one o'clock in the morning. There is a crisis of leadership in the House of Representatives that allowed this to be drafted in the first place, sight unseen, and passed less than 24 hours after it was produced. Is it any wonder the American people are being turned off on the Republican Party? The Republicans were promised uh, small government conservatives. The Republicans were promised government would get out of the way. And instead, what government has done is increased our debt burden, increased our kids' debt burden, increased our grandkids' debt burden. I don't even have grandkids yet. They're never going to be able to pay off this bill. And that's what we have with the Republican Party. To the extent we have something better than the Democrats, it's that we the Democrats would have spent even more. But I don't know that the Democrats could have spent any, any more. I mean, when Barack Obama had a Democrat-controlled Congress, he was able to get a trillion dollars from them with every Republican voting against it and got it. And even Barack Obama said it was on the borderline of being fiscally too much. I mean, Donald Trump just spent more recklessly than Barack Obama when he campaigned against Barack Obama's trillion-dollar spending plan, saying that that was too much. And if he were president, he would never sign something to the law that was that big. He just signed something to the law that was bigger. The Republicans need to figure out what they stand for. And right now, the only thing Republicans stand for is we're better than the other side. But more and more Americans aren't so sure that the other side can do worse than what the Republicans are doing. And you can say the president's to blame or not to blame. It doesn't matter. Right now it's Congress. And Congress has lost its way. And whether you believe the president could have provided a rudder for leadership or not, they're all on the ship together and it looks like it's taking on a lot of water. If not that, at least it's taking on a whole lot of debt. 
Let me take a quick time out to thank one of our great sponsors this week, and that would be Blue Apron. You know Blue Apron. Heck, Mick Mulvaney, the head of the Office of Management and Budget, he wants a federal government Blue Apron-style program to help feed poor people. Blue Apron is that popular and they're that widely known for good reason. They're the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. They make incredible home cooking accessible to everyone, and they've got plans to suit your needs. they got a two-person meal plan. It feeds two people eight new recipes per week with the choice to receive either two or three recipes a week. they got a family meal plan, which is what I have. Meals that serve four people. You choose from four new recipes per week with the choice to receive two, three, or four recipes any week. I get two a week because I like to do a lot of other cooking as well, and I get tons of cookbooks to review. More on that later. And they also have a wine plan, six bottles of wine from renowned winemakers delivered monthly. They do a lot of great recipes. In fact, let me just give you the recipes that I've had recently. I did the creamy tomato fettuccine with mushrooms and thyme breadcrumbs. Really, really, really delicious. Enjoyed that a lot. And then I tried something new, which I'd never done before. Kind of Asian thing. It was good. It was ginger pork burgers with black bean mayo and roasted broccoli. I would have never considered cooking something like this at home. But I did. And it was tasty. It was very, very tasty. Um, They've got some original recipes. And you know, as somebody who really likes to cook a lot... They have recipes I would have never considered. Um, stuff I, I would have never thought, I don't know that that sounds good. And then they send me a box of this stuff and I make it and it's actually quite tasty. And right now, Blue Apron has a really good deal. My listeners are getting $30 off their first order. You go to blueapron.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. Check out this week's menu. You get $30 off at blueapron.com slash Eric. It is a great way to cook. If you're single and you're dating, this is a way to impress your significant other as well. Some fantastic recipes. Stay in and cook with Blue Apron. Go to blueapron.com slash Eric. It really is a better way to cook. It is 25 after the hour. Uh, Mike Pence in town. You know, so Republicans are starting to worry about, well, races like Rob Woodall's and Karen Handel's, and they shouldn't be worried about Karen Handel. I don't know that they should be worried about Rob Woodall either, um, but the, the demographics in Gwinnett County have shifted enough that they're worried about his district. Um, and so the vice president's here purportedly to tout tax cuts, but also to do some fundraising and, and shore up these seats. I don't, again, I don't think he has to worry about Karen Handles. Um, and this comes today uh, with word of the passing of former governor and Senator Zell Miller, uh, just a, a really profoundly decent, nice person. I only had the opportunity to meet him once or twice, didn't really know him, um, but he was a a very kind person. And it's going to be very interesting in this campaign season for governor uh, to see how these candidates uh, deal with uh, Governor Miller's legacy of hope. Uh, Stacey Evans, of course, you know, is, is the big proponent of hope. Uh, refusing to go along with changes to it in the past, making it a campaign issue, doubling down on wanting to to uh, expand hope back to where it was. And it, it is it's interesting to consider Zell Miller's legacy, both uh, locally and nationally. You know, Miller was one of those can uh, candidates who made populism popular. 
but he always grounded his populism in an underlying philosophy. It wasn't populism for populism's sake. Uh, there was uh, a conservative undertone uh, with some liberal social policies there for uh, li- liberal economic policies, socially conservative, economically liberal, but populism on the surface uh, to what the people wanted. And we have gotten to a point in this country where we've broken populism away from ideological underpinning. So it's now stick your finger in the air and, and see which way the wind is blowing and, and go that way. Miller at least had a a core set of convictions he did not deviate from, including his idea that government could fundamentally help those whose lives otherwise could not be improved. And he wanted to do that with hope here in Georgia and provide kids a good education because he firmly believed, in fact, that if you could give kids a great education and get them into college and get a college degree, that they could succeed without the government than having to to subsidize their lives, that paying for their education was a way, great way, in other words, to actually get them off the government dime. And I think he proved himself right on that, by and large. Uh, he will be remembered in this state uh, with several days of mourning, I'm sure, and a, and a big funeral with all the governors showing up. It is 38 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB, and it's a Friday, and the phone lines are open. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Just one little bit of housekeeping. I will be away the next few days taking a really much-needed vacation, but I will return for Good Friday, uh, for the Good Friday show. It'll be 6 to 8. We'll have the short clock in the 6 o'clock hour, the long clock in the 7 o'clock hour. Let's talk about John Bolton for a few minutes because there has been a collective freakout overnight about John Bolton, and I'm actually a big John Bolton fan, although I do have to say one of my small concerns about John Bolton is I, I think he just is, is, as a matter of fact, uh he thinks we're headed to war, so let's just get it over with. I, I, I kind of would prefer a national security advisor who's kind of afraid to get us into war, not not afraid to fight, willing to fight, happy to fight if it comes to that, but but hesitant to do so. And I, I've always gotten the impression that John Bolton thinks we're, we're headed towards a fight, so we might as well go on and engage or lay the groundwork to get into it. I, 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 I don't know that it's a fair comparison, but a, a characterization, but I do have to say I was a little shocked by some friends of mine who are foreign policy experts who do like John Bolton, who think he very much does increase the likelihood of war. Uh, however, I've got to say, I think the collective freakout by reporters about John Bolton is absurd. And Sorba Amari at Commentary has a fantastic piece about John Bolton, uh, a great profile, and, and he comments on this as well. Let me read you this paragraph from him. The unanimity of the reactions makes you wonder if these hundreds of reporters and pundits all received the same memo ordering them to denounce Bolton in the most apocalyptic terms. The depressing reality, however, is that no such memo was necessary. Much of the Washington foreign policy establishment is beholden to a set of polite myths about transnationalism, soft power, and war and peace. 
that Bolton's ideas run off in a foul of those myths is enough to make him fair game for every calumny and every hysterical attack. Ian Brimmer, the Eurasia Group chief, and Twitter meme maestro had a typically judicious take. Probably the worst, biggest single day for geopolitical risk since I started Eurasia Group in 1998, he tweeted. By Brimmer's lights, in other words, Bolton's appointment is more destabilizing than North Korea's nuclear tests, Syria's chemical atrocities, Russia's invasion of Georgia and Ukraine, the Ebola and SARS outbreaks, the Arab Spring and its aftermath, the 2015 migrant crisis, and the rise of Islamic State, among other catastrophes of the last two decades. This mild-mannered former diplomat and Bush 41 and 43 alumnus is more destabilizing even than 9-11. That says more about the reliability of Brimmer's riskometer than it does anything about Bolton. And that's true. Bolton, you need to understand, um, well, what, what, sorry, he refers to as the Bolton doctrine. John Bolton is Hobbesian. He sees the life of nations as nasty and brutish. He doesn't subscribe to the view that we're beyond history. He doesn't subscribe to the view that that if everybody becomes democratic, all wars will end. He doesn't subscribe to the idea we need to expand democracy. Um, he subscribes to the idea that the world is nasty and brutish and oftentimes short. Life can be short even for nations. And I think that is a better assessment. He also rejects the whole idea of transnationalism and multilateralism. He does not believe having multiple nations as world leaders is a good thing. Uh, he'd prefer the United States to be the world leader. That doesn't mean nation building. It means being the one country on earth with the biggest stick. And I think that is a wise thing. And he also has little patience for the idea of spreading democracy around the world as a way to ensure peace. He does not believe that it actually does cause peace. And in fact, he thinks that sometimes uh, we have an interest in backing strong men and dictators in, in little countries because that's what the bad guys, China and Russia, want and might as well have our little despot in these little countries than theirs. And he's right on that, too. He's a realist when it comes to foreign policy. The freakout is over the top. Uh, he's a smart man. And when, has an amazing mustache. We do have to give him credit for the mustache. There used to be an online comic. Uh, ben Dominus reminded me of this this morning. Uh, that There used to be an online comic about uh, John Bolton's mustache uh, parading around the world at night as a James Bond agent assassinating bad guys while John Bolton slept. Yes, it's that famous, his mustache. Now, one thing I would be concerned about is not John Bolton, but the continued disruption in the White House of staff rollover. Uh, Tillerson gone, McMaster gone, Kelly still leaving, just not right now. And now uh, Don McGahn, the White House uh, lawyer, looks like he wants out. Looks like others will be coming. The VA secretary still to leave. Um, there is a high rollover in the White House. And, you know, it, there are rollovers in every White House. The White House is a high-stress job with high turnover. But it typically doesn't happen in the run-up to an election. It typically doesn't happen in the run-up to meeting with North Korea either. And I do worry about that rollover and the stability. I realize the president says it's not chaotic, but it is chaotic. And it's not very stable. And I, I got to tell you, I talk to a lot of people in the White House, 
And it just is, it's something to see the turnover. It is really something to, to see the White House uh, just upended. And then to see the level of bad advice the president is getting and the things the president is signing the law, like this, this $1.3 trillion package. Y'all, it doesn't fund the wall. It funds like $1.3 million, enough to build 33 feet of the wall. It funds Planned Parenthood. The wall gets $1.3 million, or maybe 10.5. It's 10.5, I'm sorry, $10.5 million. Planned Parenthood gets $500 million. Planned Parenthood gets more money than the wall that we've been promised. And he signed it into law after threatening to veto it because it didn't have amnesty in it. Who is advising the president? It's 54 after the hour, 55 after the hour, if I want to be precise. Let's go to the phones. James in Atlanta, you're up first tonight. Welcome. How you doing, Mr. Erickson? Great. How are you? You know, um, very disappointed. Um, and uh, I just feel as though a lot of us got fooled by uh, Mr. Trump. Miss um, Trump is not a conservative. I uh, tried to overlook the whole Second Amendment uh, ordeal. And then you come back with this spending bill, $500 million to Planned Parenthood. Um, the, the, the wall is not going to be funded. He, he basically just gutted his whole I mean, agenda. I mean, why even? Why did he even run for president? Yeah, I, I'm. I, I wonder that myself. Although I think there are listeners who would listen and say, "Well, you never liked the guy to begin with," and so the dismiss it. But I mean, where is all the winning? I, I guess if we're making liberals mad, that's winning. But I mean, we're funding Planned Parenthood and we're not funding the border wall. And 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 you know, and Ted Cruz came out today, and it just you know that just makes me. Upset that they, we didn't have him for the president. Said he didn't vote for uh, for the for the bill. I, I just today would have been a perfect day for the president to come down and 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 really veto it and really show some courage. But I, I just guess he. I don't know. I just, yeah, and, and you know, he so he, he hid behind the national security concerns. James, thanks for the phone call. He hid behind national security concerns, and and I get that. He he likes the extra funding for the military, but. Y'all, $1.3 trillion in spending, it's not sustainable. And that's through October. And then we're going to do this all over again. It's not sustainable. And the president campaigned against these sorts of spending packages. The president campaigned against spending $1.3 trillion at one time in the federal government. He attacked Barack Obama for it. And we're funding Planned Parenthood. We're not funding the wall. We're, we're curtailing the Second Amendment in this legislation that hasn't been reported. But it's true. It's nine after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. 
thank you very much for tuning in. I actually want to start the show with a phone call, and we'll be a little more flexible with calls tonight as well because it is a Friday. Um, but I want to start with Charles and Grayson because our last caller wasn't very happy, was a Trump supporter, not happy, and uh, Charles wanted the opportunity to defend him. So, Charles and Grayson, welcome. Hey, how you doing? Good. How are you? All right. First, I'd like to give my condolences to the, the family of um, Governor Zell Miller. He was Appreciate a great that. guy. Um, I was around when he was governor. And um, now, also, um, I still believe in Trump. Out of all the times I heard Trump speak, this is one of the, the moments of disappointment in his voice. You know, we as voters, a lot of people say, well, Trump could veto this and veto that. We put people in seats in the, in the, in in Washington to support the president. Mm-hmm. It was president to, you know, give us this, give us that, and we've given it to them. They are the ones that disappointed us. And now they want everything to be put on Trump's shoulders when they put things on paper. So that means what? Trump's going to be the bad guy or Trump do this. He's doing everything he can as a president, which is to the you know to build build the military back up to get the military morale back going to let these people know that that the milit that we do care about you it is the, it is the people that are sitting in the seats in Washington that's disappointing us and when he said anything like this will come again I'm vetoing it I believe that well it, let me ask you a question um, I, I my sense based on what you're saying is is I suspect there are a lot of Trump supporters who say this and. Um, are they going to bother to show up in November uh, to vote for Republicans who gave them this and wouldn't even fund any of the president's priorities but did fund Planned Parenthood? I, I'm looking for, and I'm maybe I missed the point, I'm looking for another candidate um, that maybe the Tea Party may put up, even even um, libertarians may put up, because the the. The Republican politician that's coming on board now, they are just a bunch of lips. They just, they are just, they are just talking out the side of their neck. <laughs> yeah. Elected. So, yeah. And Charles, thanks very much for this phone call because, you know, this, this sets the stage to some degree for what we're seeing in shaping up in November with this Democratic wave is Democrats are very mobilized. Because they they think that the Democrats will impeach the president or at least stop the president's agenda. Republicans are looking at Republicans in Congress saying, why should I go vote for you guys? Let the Democrats have it. They won't be worse. And, you know, that interestingly, my first reaction is, um, what would the president sign that the Democrats offered up? But actually, you know, it would give the president someone to run against in 2020. See, it's real hard for the president right now to make the... Republicans, the bad guys, because he's the leader of the Republican Party. Whether you think he's a, a Democrat or not, um, or a Republican or not, he he's the leader of the Republican Party. So he didn't really want to run against them. If the Democrats take back the House, he's got Nancy Pelosi to run against for 2020, and it might be the thing that gets him reelected, having Pelosi as the House leader. We'll see. Now, uh, the phone number, 404 872 750 wsb talk You should know that Stormy Daniels, the adult film star, her lawyer tweeted out a picture of a DVD earlier, a CD. We're, we're not sure which it is, but we're told 
um, that it is a DVD that contains evidence of uh, Stormy Daniels' relationship with Donald Trump. There will be a CBS interview with her airing on Sunday, and an additional Playboy Playmate has come out uh, also with the story of having a relationship with the president while being married to uh, the present first lady. Uh, we'll just, I'm just leaving that there. We'll, we'll stay tuned. I actually want to talk about guns for a moment. Uh, NBC News Wall Street Journal actually, had, yeah, it's NBC Wall Street Journal has a poll out. And the overwhelming majority of Americans actually think uh, that guns have the ability to keep you safe. And they also overwhelmingly believe that, that drug companies have more influence on Congress than gun manufacturers and the NRA. Nearly 6 in 10 adults believe citizen gun ownership does more to improve public safety because it allows law-abiding people to protect themselves in case of danger, according to the NBC poll. And likewise, a large majority of people believe pharmaceutical companies have more influence in Washington than the NRA. Which is not what you hear when it comes to guns and gun ownership in the National Rifle Association. The left is in such an echo chamber over guns. The fact of the matter is, though, that there are so many guns in this country and so many gun owners in this country, it's really hard to demonize them. Because virtually everyone knows a gun owner. And I really do think that the reality is the Democrats are going to hurt themselves. And they may actually, although I I concede there is, according to the data, Democratic wave building in November, uh, they may fall short of some of their goals because of their antagonism of the Second Amendment, they, they may fall well short of their goals because they've got so many black and Hispanic gun owners who look at their ownership of guns and think, I've got to protect myself. The police aren't protecting me. You got some of them thinking the police are shooting me. Did you see that disturbing video of the police who were shot the guy, tw- fired at him 20 times I mean, first of all, you'd think it was stormtrooper shooting at the guy. They had to shoot 20 times and he had a cell phone, not a gun. Then there's the disturbing story out of Baltimore about the police planting fake um, water pistols on people when they shot him, claiming, oh, we thought he had a gun. And I just, I, I really do think strategically that if the president could get on message with this stuff, if he would strongly denounce the alt-right where where the media has been saying he is one of those guys, and I don't think he is, but if he could come out uh, vigorously against it without nuance and come out strongly in favor of some of these social issues, um, particularly on abortion, come out strongly pro-life, I think more and more what you would see is a Democratic Party beginning to break up because the Democrats are going so far left. Colonel Dolan in, in the Wall Street Journal today has a piece that, that Catholics are no longer welcome in the Democratic Party. The Democrats want to shut down Catholic charities. They want to shut down Catholic hospitals. They want to shut down Catholic private schools. Uh, and, and if you support 
life, you're not welcome in the Democratic Party. You've got to be a, a, a proponent of abortion on demand. The Democratic Party has all sorts of cracks and fissures in it, and the Republicans are just too incompetent to capitalize on it right now. And whether you want to blame the president for that or you want to blame Congress for that, you've, you've got to acknowledge that the Republicans should be able to capture these voters, black and Hispanic voters who are socially conservative and are turned off by the growing illiberalism of the Democratic Party. But nobody seems to want to take a crack at doing it on the Republican side. And it's so incredibly frustrating. Just a quick timeout for a great sponsor whose product I've been using since before we started doing sponsors for this podcast, Quip, because I saw their ads on Instagram and thought, oh, this looks useful because every electric toothbrush I have ever had has sucked. Um, either the head was too big or it had a charger and I hate traveling with extra chargers. I got a Mac, so I got dongles for everything. I don't want a charger for a toothbrush as well. And Quip doesn't use a charger. And the battery, I've been using this one now... Uh, three, four months, and the battery still works. And when it stops working, I just replace the battery. That's it. I can buy them at the grocery store. I like Quip. New electric toothbrush packs the right amount of vibration into a slimmer design at a fraction of the cost of bulkier traditional electric brushes. That is very true. And here's the cool thing. They have a subscription plan. Refreshes your brush on a dentist-recommended schedule. New brush heads every three months for just $5, including free shipping, worldwide now side topic here if i sound like i'm essing hissing i'm wearing invisalign braces my I, dental issues when i was a kid had a quack dentist uh pulled teeth he shouldn't have and it is over time caused problems i've noticed my teeth seeming like they were further and further back and turns out they were so i had to wear these braces and the reason i'm wearing these braces is because although the s's hiss a little more I can still talk on radio in a way with metal braces I couldn't. But they put these attachments on your teeth that help push your teeth around wearing these braces. And you eat meat, you eat anything, it can get up underneath the attachments and whatnot. And I tried my wife's electric toothbrush that has a bigger head just to see if, if I was right. And sure enough, my Quip toothbrush, because the head has a great vibration, but it's also smaller than some of these electric toothbrushes, I can get in and around those attachments better than with my wife's fancy, super expensive $100 plus electric toothbrush. And I don't have to deal with a charger, which is a good thing. Um, so Quip makes it very, very easy for me to have good dental hygiene. And replacing your brush heads every three months is dentist recommended because your brush heads, they can actually get sharp. I was hearing Jonathan last on the on the Substandard podcast say he's a, a, a germaphobe and was talking about the brush heads. They get sharp, the bristles do, and they can grind off your enamel and hurt your gum. So you're supposed to replace your brush head every three months. So with Quip, you, I mean, you kill two birds with one stone, you get great dental hygiene. I highly recommend it. More than I wanted to say about a toothbrush, but I actually am that impressed and it has been that useful. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquit.com, getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K right now, you'll get your first refill pack free with a Quip electric toothbrush. That's your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Eric. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash E-R-I-C-K. It's 
26 after the hour. The phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Let's go back to the phones. Anthony in Atlanta, you are next. Hey, what's going on, Eric? How are you? I'm pretty good, sir. Thanks for having me. Sure. Um, I was calling because uh, something you just said on the last thing that really struck a nerve, how you were talking about... Uh, uh, minority gun owners um, could make a difference in fracturing the Democratic Party and, and and helping out the Republican Party. And I think that you hit the nail right on the head with that because a lot of the times uh, minorities, especially me, I work down the College Park on the south side of the city, and there's a lot of uh, minorities down there. We talk politics a lot of times, and you know there are a lot of liberals and Democrats. And then once I started really breaking down and explaining what some of the, the more conservative policy positions are, you know, they, they, they end up agreeing and flipping to it. But what turns a lot of people off is, is the rhetoric that a lot of the people in the conservative party, guys like Stephen King and Donald Trump himself use, especially on the campaign trail, it pushes people back into the hands of the Democrats because they feel like the Democrats will stand up for them and protect them. And even to take it a step further than that, I believe that um, I'll use a sports analogy, for instance, like baseball versus basketball you have a lot of more minorities that support basketball because when they turn on the television they see people like themselves so you have more youth and stuff wanting to wear those jerseys and become basketball players and i believe if the republican party and conservatives will promote more of those faces uh to represent the communities that i think that would bring them a lot more success too and toning down some of that divisive rhetoric and, and denouncing guys like stephen king yeah. Yeah. Anthony, I got to let you go there because we're out of time, but thank you for that. Yes. I, I think Republicans have an opportunity as the Democrats have moved so far left on so many of these issues to really gain ground uh, with minority voters who are socially conservative. Some of the most religious voters in the country are black and Hispanic voters. They just got to do better reaching out. It's 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. And can the weather please make up its mind? One day it's winter, one day it's spring. One day it's summer, one day it's winter. One day it's spring, one day it's winter. I'm, I'm just ready for it to actually warm up a little bit. I think it's time. It's technically spring. Okay, back to the phones we go. Bill and coming, you are next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. I've got you on speaker. I hope it's not... Uh, you sound issue. fine to me. All right, cool. Yeah, I guess my comment um, and question is, when are we? what can we do? Not so much when, but what can we do to get people in office who think beyond their next election? Oh, well, you know, I, I hate to sound very cynical here, but I, I think we had some people in the uh, Republican Party who ran for president that way. And in the dog and pony show of 2016, they weren't believed. I mean, people got so cynical in 2016 about so many politicians not keeping their word uh, that yeah. many of them went for Donald Trump because, in their words, they said he fights, and it seems like he's going along to get along in Washington. So I, yeah. I think this could actually be a, a tipping point of cynicism 
from a lot of people who are looking at this saying, um, I thought we weren't going to do stuff like this anymore. And in fact, you know, there are people still willing to defend him. I, I see a number of people who are blaming Paul Ryan and Mitch McConnell, and I get that. Um, but he signed it into law. Um, I, I still yeah. think you have to fight at the primary level. You, you've got to engage in the primaries. And you, you've got to go for people who you know. I, one of the, the disturbing trends that I have seen over the last number of years in politics is the rise of the celebritification of candidates. You, you got a guy who's on Fox News all the time. You're like, hey, he must be one of us. He's on Fox. Uh, and you don't know what the person actually stands for, what their convictions are. Uh, but he, he's a conservative celebrity, so let's go for him. And I think we we have lost our ability to discern a, who good people are in politics, and that's problematic, uh, genuinely problematic. Um, back to the phones, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Jeff and Marietta, you're next. Welcome. Hey, Eric. How you doing? I'm well. How about yourself? Doing well. So uh, I had a comment. Trump has said that he's never going to sign something like this again. I think he needs to come back out and say, He's not going to sign any more continuing resolutions. He expects a budget in October, and if not, he'll be fine with a government shutdown. And it's just a prod. The liberal media mentioned the fact that if uh, the government shuts down before the election, there'll be no federal oversight of the elections. I love. <laughs> there would be a total freak out about that. Listen, I think they they do need a budget. Um, this continuing resolution, and uh, you raise a good point that I don't think most people know is that. The government hasn't been funded with the with a budget in I think since George Bush was president in two thousand five. Exactly. I think was the last time they actually produced a budget. And it's, it's law that they have to have a budget. They're breaking the law when they don't do it. Yeah, but I mean, since they write the laws, it, it's not enforceable <laughs> at, at, at the court level. But yes, they gave themselves a bonus instead. Yeah, essentially, yeah, they gave themselves a bonus, and they're just essentially saying we're going to take George Bush's budget and we're going to continue it, but we're going to add and subtract all these things to it that's how they get around it um is essentially they adopt the last budget adopted but then they make all sorts of changes so it's not really that budget uh it's just it's it's horrifying and then they do a budget resolution but they don't keep to the budget resolution um, i'm a business owner if we ran a business like this we would be out of business it's yeah business. absolutely yeah. And, and, you know this is just another reminder ultimately that that government's not a business even though it should be run more like one thanks very much for the phone call it just it, it's disturbing and it's going to be our kids and grandkids and great-grandkids paying for this nonsense uh, and we're going to go bankrupt as a country just pathetic charles in gainesville charles welcome oh thank you eric i appreciate it i always enjoy it uh a, a, a general question well, you know, we want to talk to our congressmen and senators, and I send lots of emails. And from uh, one of the one of the senators, I always get the standard reply back. Is, yes, is it better to send a letter, or do the emails have any effect at all, or what is the best way? And, so and, that, that's a really good question. So all of every email that is sent is read by someone. Uh, letters are also read and letters tend to get a little more attention because email is so much more common these days. Email and fax are actually very common letters. Not so much. Um, honestly, the best way to contact your Senator or representative is to show up at a local event where they are, um, and, and try to get up to them to talk to them, although staffers are there to try to keep you away. Uh, no congressman or senator actually reads his own mail, and the staffers log what it's about. 
and what essentially you, everybody emails, let's say it's on the budget and you've got 90 emails, 90 letters on uh, opposing the omnibus and 10 support it. Well, they log that and say it's uh, nine to one in opposition to this, uh, but they don't get the general specifics. Now, another thing to do to get the attention of your member of Congress is to contact the local office. Now, what they tell you is that the local office is for constituent service, uh, not for politics. It's for people who they need help getting a West Point scholarship or Social Security benefits or what have you. But really, the local offices tend to pay attention. If there's a flood of complaints in the local office about an issue, uh, they tend to have a better pulse on the ground and so it captures the congressman and senator's attention much more than dealing with Washington, where the organized factions tend to go to Washington. Right. Can I add one more thing? Sure. Uh, and I know since you're going to divinity school and all of this thing, one of the things I feel like is, you know, that the, that the Lord puts out there who he wants, and we need to pray for him. And I pray for this president that he will have wisdom far and above his adversaries. And I have to believe that, just like David wasn't a perfect man in the Bible, and neither, of course, is Trump, and I recognize that. But I have to say, I'm waiting to see about this budget. It, it appears awful bad, but today is the first day, and I just need to wait and see what the Lord works out for us. Well, I definitely would say trust in the Lord, uh, but at the same time, $500 million to fund Planned Parenthood, I think, is a, is a raw deal for Republicans. Uh, you know, I, I will say though, Charles, to, to go back to your point though, we are supposed to pray for our leaders. The scripture commanded it. I remember getting angry phone calls, um, back during the Obama years when I told the listening audience that you got to pray for him and not, not, not pray for him that, that God punishes him or something. Actually pray that, that God gives you wisdom. Same thing for this president. You got to pray for him. Um, but at the same time, we also have to remember that we have, we're have we all senators, and Washington today, the Republicans have just expanded the number of senators who will be in charge of us by expanding the Leviathan instead of curtailing it. And they funded Planned Parenthood. They funded the killing of kids, and they said they were opposed to that. And that is Washington, D.C. today, run by Republicans, not Democrats. A week from today, I'll spend two hours on the Good Friday show. It'll be six to eight. I'll be returning from spring break to make sure that happens. This story really is incredible. Um, the attorney for the accuser in Alabama, uh, Lee Korfman, her attorney says Roy Moore supporters approached him and offered him $10,000 to drop his client and walk away. Just amazing uh that that they would do that and it, they offered him access to steve bannon and access to the president and other things uh it just i am i'm i shouldn't be surprised by people's level of partisanship and the things they will do these days but it didn't work he stood by his client just it, it is i don't know people are stupid these days aren't they I, the, the things they will do it's ridiculous all right I'm out of here for the next couple of days for some rest after this whirlwind travel these last few weeks. Uh, but on Friday next week, we're going to divert the program to what even secular historians tell you is the most important event in human history happens a week from today. <laughs>